Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. What we're going to see this morning is we're going to see someone's dark journaling. And yet it's in the Word of God. It's Job's expression of all the pain that he is under. And you're not going to believe some of this is in the Bible. And if you've been tracking with Job at all, if you know his story, do you remember his story? I mean, for real, I know some of you might not know his story. It's okay. He had it all. He was a wealthy man. He had 10 kids. He was living life. He was a godly man. And yet, Satan came to God and said, you know what? The only reason why Job is following you is because you're propping up his faith with all these blessings. Take him away. Let's see what happens. He'll curse you to his face. God says, go for it. So what happens? Property destroyed, livestock stolen, all his kids died, Job's filled with boils, great suffering. And when we left off last week, we left off by Job going, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's singing the song. He wrote the song. You give and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We left Job in a great place, but time has passed Let's see the tune that Job is singing this week. And it's a very, very dark tune. It's like a really bad country song. Really bad. So let's turn to Job 2 before we jump into Job 3. So turn to Job 2. And Job 2 is going to start... Uh, in verse 11 where we're at today about Job's three friends coming to comfort him. All right, so let's just read verses 11 through 13, the end of chapter two. These are some great guys at first. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all his, this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Naamathite, and they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe and they threw dust over their heads towards the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. Friends hear about what's going on with Job, so they come to comfort him. And you know, they travel from afar, right? Some time has passed. And we talked about what was going on with Job with all these boils. It caused him to lose some weight. He has some disfiguration. He's, he takes pottery and he scrapes himself and, and pus oozes out. Then it scabs over. Then he starts it again. It's this whole body. And they see him and they're like, we don't even recognize him. We think that's Job. And so his friends come and they're weeping and they're mourning with Job. And they sit with him and they say Nothing. This is the best thing they do the whole time. 
because we're going to have tons of chapters in Job of them being idiots. And we'll see why. But right now, they're sitting with Job. And sometimes when you're trying to comfort someone in pain, the best thing to do is just zip it and sit with them and be with them. But now Job is about to open his mouth and here come the dark journal entries. Let's look at this poetry. Maybe this is poetry you've never thought of before. Chapter 3, verse 1. Afterward, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was to be born and the night which said, a boy is conceived. You know, some of the happiest days in the life of the parents is they have these uh, baby showers and they have these gender reveal parties and everybody is so happy and the, the baby finally comes and everybody's like, yay. And back in the day, guys used to pass out cigars. It, it was a wonderful. And Job's like, worst day ever. He's saying that his birth should not have happened. He curses the day he was born. In fact, Job is saying this, he had great wealth, he had kids, he had prosperity, and he said, doesn't matter, I'd trade all that just to not be born. That's where he's at, these dark thoughts. And what he's going to do in chapter 3, he's going to talk about dark and light. Now, when when you see this dark and light imagery, the darkness is death and the light is life. And what he's going to argue in chapter 3 in his lament is death is favorable. Darkness is favorable. Now, understand at this point, death is not fully developed, right? The idea of being with the Lord forever. We'll hit that. I know my Redeemer lives later, but he just wants to die and be done. Verse 4. May that day, his birthday, may that day be darkness, Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize it. See all this dark imagery? Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. He wants the day of his birth to never have come about. He never wants to enter the light of life, but he wants to remain in darkness. In fact, he wants the sea creature Leviathan to come up and destroy that day. He doesn't want shouts of it's a boy. He doesn't want rejoicing. He, he wants almost like a, a happy not birthday to you. Let's create a new Hallmark card for Job. And the prophet Jeremiah, he echoed some of these words in the future When he was in jail in Jeremiah 20, verse 14, Jeremiah said, Cursed be the day when I was born. Let the day not be blessed when my mother bore me. Have you ever been that low? So low you you wish you were never born. In fact, you would give up all the good things you've ever experienced to have never been born. It's, it's amazing what pain can do to our minds, what suffering can do to us uh, emotionally. 
I mean, have you ever suffered so much where you feel like you're trapped and the pain seems like there's no expiration date? You, you see like it's going to go on like this forever. And when I was during my dark days of journaling where, where I stopped journaling, I, I was almost feeling guilty because I was so depressed in the darkness that I wasn't supposed to feel these things as a Christian. I wasn't supposed to feel these things as, as a pastor. But it, as, I, as I'm reading the word right, and I think I am, it seems like Christians including pastors, go through seasons of suffering. We all do. And it's during that pain and during times of suffering is what we do with it. And what we want to do with it is cry out to God. And sometimes it ain't going to look pretty. It's not going to be pretty flowing words. It's okay to express the pain that is going on. In fact, I think it's even okay to cry out, God, why is this going on? Why did this happen to me? Why, why, why? This chapter, chapter three, is full of whys. Now, I want you to know this. Job never gets an answer for his why, he doesn't ever know what's going on in heaven between Satan and he didn't know that at all. But he's still crying out to God, why? Notice it, verse 11. Why did I not die at birth, come forth from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receiving me and why the breasts that I should suck? So he wishes he died at birth birth. Not only did he wasn't born, but if he had to be born, he wished he would just be died just right then. That the knees in front of him were not receiving, there'd be no food for him. He wishes he would have he died right here. Now, I'm not sure I would say that Job is suicidal. He's not trying to take his life. He's crying out to God. But I know some of you have gone through seasons of being suicidal. I have gone through season of being suicidal where I'm thinking, you know what? This pain is not worth living. It's time to check out and go. And if you've ever been through seasons of feeling suicidal, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense. And yet it seems like something is the only path to take. And if that's where you're at this morning, the last thing you want to do is tell somebody, and yet that's what you need to do. I had never been to any biblical counseling or anything, but the first thing that ever drew me to biblical counseling is desperation of what to deal with these dark thoughts. And if that's where you're at, let me encourage you to talk to a pastor, talk to somebody. This does not have to be the end for you, even though it may feel like that. And it's, it's interesting to think, when I was pastoring in Chicago, tons of college students were at our church. College students dealing with these suicidal tendencies. And yet, this church is older, and yet that's still sometimes what's going on in the minds of older people. Because when darkness clouds, that can happen. And I want to tell you this it has only increased since the pandemic. These lockdowns, shut-ins, you have seen such an increase in depression and suicide among young people, but also among those who are older. 
And if that's you, please don't stay there by yourself. Talk to somebody. I know this is probably not the most encouraging chapter for you to be reading right now. But Job, he is wishing that he would be done. He would no longer live. And later on, he's going to say, I know my Redeemer lives. We're going to get to that one day, but not yet. Let him continue with these thoughts. Look at verse 13. For now, I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest. With kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves. So with princes who had gold, who were filling their houses with silver. Or like a miscarriage, which is discarded, I would not be. As infants that never saw light. There the wicked cease from raging. And there the weary are at rest. The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there. And the slave is free from his master. That is just a long statement contemplating the benefits of death in the Bible. He's in so much pain that his mind has gone off the rails and he starts to see how good death is and how it is the great leveler where kings are dead, where those who were enslaved are free. And you know a person really has some dark thinking when they start seeing all the benefits of death for everyone around the world. Verse, continue on, verse 20. Why is light given to him who suffers and life to the bitter of soul who long for death but there is none and dig for it more than for hidden treasures who rejoice greatly and exult when they find the grave? Why is light, that means life, given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? For my groaning comes at the sight of my food and my cries pour out like water. For what I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet, and I'm not at rest, but turmoil comes. Look at verse 26 again. I'm not at ease. Nor am I quiet. I'm not at rest, but turmoil comes. I mean, that verse is brutal. He's like, I can't relax. I can't settle down. I'm always tired. And I'm always restless. And it's at this point, I really want to slow down so you can dig into the deepness of what he's going through. He longs for death, but it doesn't come. He actually views himself filled with joy and rejoicing if he could just find the grave. He feels trapped and he can't escape. He takes no joy in anything. He doesn't have joy in food. In fact, when he sees food, he cries in agony. And one of the most disturbing verses, if you look at verse 25, he says, for what I fear comes upon me. So suffering for him is not just physical but it's also emotional, it is mental, and it's spiritual. He feels shut off from God. He sees absolutely no reason to go on living. Why, why, why? And I, and I really think that what disturbs him most is that he feels that God has left him, that God is punishing him for no reason, and he feels that God 
once had this hedge of blessing around him, but now it's gone. Remember what Satan was kind of talking about to God, about this hedge of blessing around Job? And Job's like, well, now I have this hedge around me, but this hedge of life with zero blessings. Someone described uh, the world of an older person that maybe feels like the walls are closing in. Someone once said that I used to travel the world, but now I can only travel within the country. I used to travel the country, but now I can only go for a walk in the neighborhood. I used to go for a walk in the neighborhood, but now I'm confined to just walking in the garden. I used to walk in the garden, but now I can't leave the house. I used to be confined to my bedroom and then confined to my bed and then eventually confined to a coffin. And this is what one commentator says about that. He says, Job feels this happening to him. He's hedged in and trapped and he cannot escape and he wonders why God is doing this. What's the point? Is there a point? He feels like everything has closed in on him. He has life but no blessings. His worst fears have come true. I don't know what your fears are, but generally they're going to fall into the same categories as all of us. Do I have this slide here showing the worst fears? Here's some worst fears here. Loss of wealth, loss of family, loss of health, loss of God. Some of you feel like you may outlive your money and you feel like you won't have enough to live on and you have this fear of losing your wealth. Job lost all his wealth. It was taken from him. It was destroyed. Through thievery, through events like tornadoes, gone. That came true for Job. And some of you, you feared losing your family. And some of you have actually, that's happened to you. You've lost children. You've lost your spouse. Job lost 10 kids. It happened to him. Another fear you may have is a loss of health. Will you be able to continue to do what you've been able to do your whole life or will you continue to deteriorate? Will you ever get better? Will you be healed? Job had the greatest fear come upon him. He lost his health. And for Job, what he's expressing in these chapters is what you're going to see is, God, where are you? What are you doing to me? Why is this happening to me? And he feels like, God, you've left me. And I have talked to people at the lowest of the lowest of the low, and they felt like God had left them, had abandoned them. Now, when we hear such dark words in dark chapter, we have to remember that the book is big, okay? There are other words in the book to give us context, to give us hope, and give us truth. So as we finish up here, I just want to give you a few words of hope, maybe even some joy. A few things I want to share with you here at the end is, number one, God is still in the picture. God is still in the picture. Job is expressing this to his friends who are hearing but he also, as you'll read the rest of the chapters, he's also expressing it to God. 
And we know that we can say these words, whether it's through a journal, through prayer, we can express our pain to God. And if you are in pain so much that you don't even know what you are to pray, let me encourage you to open up the Psalms and start reading some of the Psalms and you're even going to see some dark words in there too that will help you express your pain to God who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. And he will not shut you down and he will not shut you off. He'll say, come on, cry out to me. Second thing you need to know is asking or wondering why is not all bad. Asking or wondering why is not all bad. Atheists and unbelievers don't ask why. Because the world is random, there's some good, there's some bad, there's no explanation. But we come to a God and we cry out, Lord, what's going on? Things are out of control. What are you doing? Lord, please have mercy. Why is this happening? Third thing to keep in mind, and I think probably one of the most important, is Job's darkness points ahead to a deeper darkness for Jesus. Job's darkness points ahead to a deeper darkness for Jesus. Jesus, the perfect one, lived a life of poverty and suffering. He was acquainted with grief. And this all led up to the anticipation of facing the wrath of God for your sin and for my sin. I want you to get this. In the garden, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And get this, we can now turn to Jesus who can sympathize with you in your weakness. We can turn to Jesus who can sympathize with you in your darkness. We can never say to Jesus, you have no idea, you have no clue, you don't know what's going on because we have one, God in the flesh, who has suffered and been tempted as we do and yet without sin. And we are told over and over again, do not make me preach 10 months of Hebrews again. But we are told from that book, we can rush into his presence, cry out to him, and find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. He's been there. He overcame it with the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He rose from the dead, and now he's at the right hand of the Father. And the good news is everybody who wants to come to him can come to him. You can repent be forgiven, and as you walk with him, his mercy and his grace and his comfort will be with you until you're with him face to face. And the last thing I want to say, and it may feel like it's impossible, but joy is still possible. Joy is still possible. We don't want to scream at people in their suffering and say, just be joyful always, be joyful always, be joyful always. Of course, there can be joy in suffering. But when people are suffering, we come in with comfort and mercy and grace. But I want you to know, for those of you who are in the midst of the darkness right now, there can be this underlying joy in the Lord and his sovereign control and what he's doing and working out his plan. There can still be joy. I want to tell you about one of the most joyful people I've ever seen before. Back in the 90s, I went to Dallas Seminary. 
And while I was at Dallas Seminary, we had chapel all the time. And the chaplain there was named uh, Chaplain Bill. I don't know if you guys ever went to Dallas, know who that is. But Chaplain Bill, he would lead the singing before the speaking. And he had so much joy in the Lord. He would play a trumpet. He would smile. I mean, he had joy like I'd not known. And I was like looking at him in the midst of my studies. I'm like, how does that guy have so much joy? You know, you may think, man, people like that with so much joy must have had such a wonderful life. But I, I've learned the backstory on Chaplain Bill. When he was a little kid, his dad suffered from some deep depression. And as a child, he didn't understand it. And a lot of what was concealed back in the day, people were not as open about mental health, so it was a lot of confusing. So one time he went with his mom and his dad to the mental hospital. I don't know what was it called then, insane asylum or or, or what. So So they go there for his dad to go to a session to see a psychiatrist. Like this is totally true story. This is not made up. So his dad goes in to see the psychiatrist. Then he comes out to the lobby in the little area. He's sitting with his son, little Bill, while the wife goes in and talks to this group of psychiatrists. And so while he's sitting with Billy there in the lobby, the dad and the little boy son, they overhear the conversation in the room with the wife that goes something like this. He's not getting better. And we don't think he's ever going to get better. We want to keep him, and he probably will never come home. So the dad is hearing this, sitting with his little son, Bill, Chaplain Bill then, a little kid. The mom comes out of the room with the doctors. The dad picks up little Bill, says, I love you, sets him down, runs, crashes through a six-story window to his death. He was raised by his grandparents and his aunt and his mom pretty much had a hard time recovering from that. Chaplain Bill comes to the Lord with that backstory of seeing that happen to his father and leads us in joyful worship day after day after day. In pain, In suffering, joy is still possible. And I've met some of you, and I've refrained from telling your stories today, but I cannot believe some of the things that have happened to you. And yet you have trust and hope and joy in the Lord. And I'm blown away because you are a walking testimony, and I need that. I need to see your joy, and I see it. And you come to my office and you tell me what you've been through and I cannot believe it. The person who went through that is the one with joy in the Lord right now. I cannot believe it. So if you're in a dark time now, you need to know joy in the Lord is possible. Your suffering has an expiration date, guarantee you. One day we'll be with the Lord face to face. This will all be behind us. But until then, We can come to him and not be rejected, pour out our heart, pour out our dark thoughts, pour out our Job moment. And we'll be heard 
and accept it. And he'll give us mercy and grace in this time of need. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.